Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. $2 late fee. You have one new message. This is Craig Saffin. You're listening to Zach and Dustin at $2 late fee. And I remember $2 late fees. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies, and even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah, this is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Hey, Dustin, I, I feel so cool because of tonight's episode that we're about to break down and d- discuss and dissect and all sorts of good things. I feel so cool about tonight's episode. That could be the uh, ice cream in your pants. Oh, that's true. You know, it's summer. It's hotter. You want to uh, keep the boys cool. It could be the icy hot on my lower back. Yeah, I, I put icy hot in all my areas um just to cool down not not even for the muscle effect the uh bottoms of your feet oh oh yeah yeah i really got to do that i really got to do that i got to get myself uh you ever had a pedicure oh, i love pedicures yeah i had and one manicures. i had one it was life-changing and now i'm trying to schedule just um you know just like just something that, that you know gets a little massage in there or something but uh yeah, something yeah. about someone massaging your feet and scrubbing all the dead skin off your feet, trimming your toenails and giving your feet extra love and care. I think feet, I don't know, I would th- I would say feet are probably one of the most neglected parts of the body for most people. Would you agree? Well, they I I would totally agree and and you know, it's just one of those things of like you know, much like the neck carries the head, it's like the feet carry the whole shaboodle. The feet, the whole shaboodle. The feet do it all, and 
I think certainly as, as, uh, in your day to day, you know, my day to day, I'm not really looking at my feet. I'm not like yeah. staring at them or whatever. And then recently I just like caught a glam glimpse. I caught a glimpse and a glimpse. And I said, uh, wow, you know, th- this, these, these feet need some love. Um, I don't like, I do not like the way they are looking. Um, and they're, they're not soft. And oh, they gotta be soft. Yeah. They should be soft. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I, I could cut myself on my feet and I'm not talking about my nails. Just like the, you know, just like the heels. What's it, you know, it's a bad scene. It's a bad scene. So you made me think of, um, Hannibal Lecter in Michael Mann's Manhunter when he's looking at Will Graham and he's describing his hands and he says, you don't, those aren't cup hands. Yeah. You've been outside. Right. And I think about your feet, your feet should be soft. Not like cop hands, but <laughs> no, not like uh, not like working in the mines feet. No, that, that would just be weird if you're barefoot. Yeah, give him some mine. love. But um, <laughs> I don't even remember how we started talking about this. But yes, no, I was telling you I was feeling cool about tonight. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because the movie we're going to talk about is 1981's Thief, directed by Michael Mann, starring James Caan. Rest in peace. Yep. Rest um, in peace. This movie, this selection, we're going to talk about uh, Craig Saffin's song, Confrontation. That will be, um, you know, that's the featured song for the episode. But this all came about because we had an opportunity to interview Craig Saffin. That will be the follow-up episode to this episode. Um, But then Dustin and I were like, well, what movie should we discuss in regards to Craig? Should we talk about Last Starfighter? Should we talk about right. Legend of Billy Jean again? Revisit Maybe. that possibly. Yeah. Uh, warning sign. Who knows? Right. Right. right? That's but what then, we said. But then James Caan had passed away around that time. And I thought, you know what? Maybe we need to like do one of my favorite James Caan movies, uh, if not the favorite James Caan movie. Interesting. And one of my favorite Michael Mann movies of all time. Interesting. As you guys know, we are big Michael Mann fans. So the stars aligned because we realized Craig did the final track of the movie, not Tangerine Dream. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Kind of going through this weird period where I feel like every movie I watch is scored by Tangerine Dream. They scored a lot of movies. They they, they really did. I mean, they, they really did. They really they were they were busy. I mean, we talk about like Kenny Loggins, you know, having like a song on every soundtrack, but Tangerine Dream, like, you know, just in the last week, uh, Strange Behavior, um, this movie. There were a couple others. I was like, maybe I should take notes because it's just a weird thing. But well, I was just talking about the movie Miracle Mile the other day to someone who had said, do you know any good like kind of uh, offbeat um comedic like horror films and i'm like well it's not a horror film per se but it's an end of the world movie so um <laughs> miracle mile if you guys haven't seen that you should definitely seek it out um but tangerine dream scored that well they they've scored another michael mann film as well the keep which i covered on podcasting after dark with mm-hmm. Corey sleazy c uh, and i personally love that movie i know michael mann does not love that movie uh, he's gone on record to say that he hopes it never gets released on yeah. DVD or Blu-ray, which is such a shame because it, yes. honestly, it's not uh, a bad movie. Yes, and we did talk. We touched upon that here on our top three horror soundtracks. Um, yes, from last uh, October for anybody who's uh, 
interested in, in, in going that route. But yeah, but also, uh, right, of course, Risky Business, a little Vision Quest, a little Red Heat, a little Legend, Three O'Clock High, Durr. There's one called Flashback. Flashpoint. 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 Yep. Yeah. Since, oh, don't forget Near Dark, one of the best Near Dark. horror Absolutely. films of all time. I've not opinion. seen Flashpoint. I'm looking at this. I've not seen that. You should watch it. It's got a great cast. Rip Torn, Chris Christopherson. Miguel Ferrer. Oh, our boy. Treat Williams. Our boy, Miguel Ferrer, who always comes up. God, I love Rest me some peace. Miguel Ferrer. What a shame that he's no longer with us. What a shame James Caan is no longer with us. But yeah. What a Bring legacy he left on screen. Um, and I'm not just talking about Elf. <laughs> but but you I mean, could be. Elf. You could just be talking about Elf, you I know? Mean, That's enough for in everybody. Elf. He's great in Elf. Yeah, he is. Um, what, what are some of your favorite James Caan movies? Uh, obviously, The Godfather. Sonny. I think that's, on, he's gone on record to say that that was his favorite movie he did. I, oh, you know what I love him in is, um, um, God, I don't know. It's like my brain has just stopped. I love him in um, Bottle Rocket. Oh, yeah. That is one of my favorite, favorite James Cohn. You know, Jonathan, the world needs dreamers. Excuse me? No, I don't think so. <laughs> You know, John, one day I believe that you're going to wake up and realize you no longer have a brother and you no longer have any friends. And on that day, I'm going to be standing front and center just laughing my fucking head off. <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> hey, John. Hey, yeah. Ow. Ow. Uh, I hope this doesn't offend you, Bob, but your brother's a cocksucker. Is that a Wes Anderson movie? Yeah, it's his first one. It's the first yep. one that he did. Wrote it with uh, with Owen. Yep. And um, and you Great know, movie. And, yeah, and and him getting James Con for that was one of the big reasons I think why it why they were able to raise uh, the money to 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 fully fund it. Kind of a big deal to get James Con at that time too, because that was a time when movie indie movies were still considered indie movies wouldn't you say a hundred percent it was like people were still kind of like funding movies on their credit cards you yep. know that kind of uh yeah just just really really hustling <laughs> to, to to get to get it done um where does alien nation rank for you it's up there for sure it's actually one of my favorite james con movies to the point where i wanted to wear like a dallas cowboys kind of jersey shirt because he does in that. And I'm like, I just think it looks cool. And people are like, why do you want, what do you like, Dallas now? I'm like, no, I like Alien Nation. <laughs> Damn it. And then, of course, um, uh, Misery. Can't forget Misery. Yeah. For sure. Where does Thief rank for you as far as James Conn roles? Does it rank high or low or somewhere in the middle? Um, it, it ranks high. You know, it's um, it's a Chicago movie with like clear Chicago accents. Yes. Except for the two main characters, <laughs> you know? So like it's, it's a little muddled when it comes to James Caan and Tuesday Weld. And that kind of takes me out of it. Whereas, you know, all like the cops, all the, all the guys where it's like, are you, you know, they, they've got that, that clear, that clear Chicago, South, Southeast, South side of Chicago 
um, sound. And of course, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll get further into this, but a lot of those guys that are in this movie, like there, there was a lot of real, real, uh, folks being cast in certain roles, you know, um, career criminals that were career criminals that were then, you know, turned actors turned, you know, advisors, quote unquote, on this movie, consultants on this movie. Um, but anyway, consultant now I've totally digressed from your initial question, but, but I think that that kind of takes it out. It takes, takes me out of it a little bit. I love, you know, he's got some amazing monologues. He's incredibly captivating. And every time you're very much like, Oh, like he's kind of, a he's kind of like a blue collar guy. Uh, you know, not necessarily an educated guy, but he's a guy who like maybe is very self-conscious of that. And so he, he, he's always, he never wants to seem like he doesn't, he's not in control of every situation. And that comes across like beautifully. Um, and, uh, you know, and I've heard it said many times that James Caan purposely never uses contractions in any of his dialogue. And you're like, holy shit. And what a brilliant, what a brilliant device. It's not, I can't go there. It's like, I cannot go there. And every word has that, that, that added emphasis. Um, you know, this was not a movie that was up for a lot of awards or accolades or anything. And in fact, I feel like it it was nominated for some Razzies and, and, and bad, bad movie stuff. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. first of all, Siskel and Ebert, um, I, I, you know, prior to watching the movie, I was like, I want to see what, like, if I can find any interesting clips online or whatever. And I found a old Siskel and Ebert review of it. They both loved it. They both considered it the, the best movie that they had seen up to that point that year. And I think, you know, I'm sure in 81 it was, I, you know, it had to be, it, it's very, it's weird. Like, um, it was nominated for, um, the Razzie for worst musical score. Sorry, Tangerine Dream. Let's wow, get this really? out of the way. And then <laughs> the the Stinkers Bad Movies Awards, most intrusive musical score, um, most annoying fake accent for Tuesday Weld, worst actor nominee for James Caan. I don't even know what, what this is. I don't know what this is, but of course this is notably uh, worst on screen couple to James really? Caan and Tuesday. <laughs> yes. Well, before we get into more of that, yeah. I, I want to say to you, ask you this question. Um, have you ever been in a position where you were around people that were maybe more well-educated than you, and you had to put on a certain air about yourself in, or that you felt insecure about that? Were you ever in a position like that? Um, you know, it's weird. I I feel like I, I like, I like being around really educated people, you know, and I feel like, um, to a degree, we've really fallen off that uh, in in the country. You know, yeah, we, intellectualism is. is is frowned upon. Uh, I mean, I have so much to say about that. I, I won't even get into that because that's just going to derail us for a long time. But um, <laughs> you know, no, I, I think for me, it was always uh, it's more the opposite of like I don't want to. You know, like I, I'll use a word and someone will be like, "What is that word?" Not like I'm a super smart guy or anything, but you know, I, I find there's definitely a correlation between um, books, <laughs> people that read. Well, yeah. I, Reading. I, okay. I, no, I totally, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I, I guess, uh, I'm thinking specifically like about myself 
thankfully never served time, never went to jail for anything or whatever. And, uh, you know, but in a weird way, I kind of felt like I, cause I've seen this movie quite a few times. I felt like I could identify with the idea of wanting to distance yourself from a, a life that would be considered lower than the company that you keep or wanting to see, like, feel like you're a, a, you know, feeling like you don't want to be like, I, I dated a girl once who had all these lawyer friends in San, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to a party and, and they were all wearing like really nice clothes, like almost suits practically. And they were not, is not because they just got off work or something. And I did not feel like I walked into this situation and felt very underdressed. And so I immediately felt insecure about being there. Mm-hmm. And then their whole discussion was way over my head. And I was trying to relate in some way um, and felt really just like I didn't like that feeling. Yeah. And no. so I left that situation and I'm like, I got to get smarter <laughs> or I got to I got to make myself feel, like look more um, mature, I guess, in a weird way. And uh, um, can know. I ask you this? Did you feel insecure in the relationship? Yes. Yeah. So that's why. Oh, totally. But yeah, the relationship you know what I mean? was that's doomed ref- from the start. But that's so. a reflection. Clearly. So like if you're already feeling insecure and you go into a party with these other dude, you know what I mean? Like, so, so yeah. the, the stage is set. I would say that if you were more confident in that relationship, you would not feel less than with those people. Uh, agreed. 100%. 100%. So, um, you know, that seems more about just like you, you put on a, a nicer shirt and then you're just yes. there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I related more to like the Jack Casey character in Quicksilver when his uh, girlfriend has like the kind of yes. guys with him. That's that that's closer to that. Yeah, versus yeah. James Caan wanting to kick the shit out of somebody if they look at him wrong, you know? So, right. <laughs> like the uh, the woman at the adoption agency. So, anyways, we can get into that in just a minute. Right. Great scene. <laughs> I mean, thief thief to me. Getting back to specific, getting specifically back to thief. Um, yeah, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, like an asshole. Everyone has one, but this movie to me is sets the stage for what I love about Michael Mann. Mm -hmm. I love about synth music. I love about uses of color in movies, um, scenes where there's no dialogue at all. And and in just in, in, in driving, driving the drama home simply for like the sound or the uh seeing like a a welding tool breaking uh you know into a safe for five minutes and just like hearing no dialogue just music and going holy shit this is beautiful this is dramatically beautiful um yeah this movie is a study i feel like you watch this film and you go wow so many people are influenced by this Mm -hmm. this 81 you were just getting into the 80s so it's it's nobody had really seen this at least on in the united states i think french new wave was kind of doing stuff like this prior but um man this is to me it's groundbreaking and james Kahn, who first of all uh i i i'm shocked and i also applaud the fact of his hairiness in this this movie there's a scene where he has a shirt off and you're like damn that dude is hairy and this was a time when like rugged cool guys were not like waxed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or or like hairless, you know? 
like I got nothing against Chris Hemsworth. I think he's a beautiful man, but 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 badasses back then just didn't give a shit. No, it, it's it's rare to watch something today and just see like a hairy man. Um, yeah, as know. the leading man, you know, and um, with wrinkles or you know whatever. Yeah, and uh, and I always you know whenever I see a hairy man on screen, I I need to audibly say, oh wow, he's hairy. You know, and I feel like I feel like sometimes it gets me into trouble because I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm just like, wow, he's here. You know, it's like, what? keep it, you know, because um, I'll do it. I'll do it in real life, too. You know, like I'll, it's not just like on the screen. Um, oh, you'll see someone walking down the street and go, oh, wow, he's hairy. Yeah. Like, oh, he's hairy. Wow. But do you see that often now? Do you see like tufts of hair coming out? Yeah. Back yeah. And stuff? Really? You still okay. see it. You still see it. Okay. And in the, uh, if you're looking for it now, you're really now you're really going to see it. Like now that I've mentioned it. Like tomorrow you're going to go to the community pool or something. Like, Ooh, sure. I did not know my neighbor was that hairy. <laughs> we're talking about, we're talking about body hair versus like ear hair and nose hair. Cause that, that just grows rampant as you get older, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't gawk at, at that. I mean, I don't gawk that to be clear. It's just, it's just more of like, um, in the same way that I look at like an, an impressive beard or something, you know, except it's a little different. I'm not like, you know, with, oh, that's an awesome beard. I'm not like, oh, that's an awesome back hair. It's just more like, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's the, the, the downside of the aging and, um, you know, just having hair as a man, just having yeah. hair in stranger places, you lose it true, on your head true. and then you gain it in your, like, yeah, like in your ears. Like what you're saying, like, what, what is this? Like what happened? What kind of weird trade off is this? <laughs> I don't like it um but james con but james, james con he's a man he's a man's man he's a man's man so he's a thief if anyone didn't know he's a thief but um but he's a thief that you know I, what i love is like it's like a thief living by a specific code it's and the code is you know um the code is like only things that are insured so if they're taking diamonds people are getting insurance and they kind of mention that a lot in the movie you know where it's just like you know, it's, it's diamonds or it's cash, but we're not, we're not like invading people's homes. You know, it's all, it's all like high corporate in and out, snatch and grabs, the nobility of, of the thief, if you will, if there is such a thing, you know? Well, it's, it's a template that I think has been used, uh, in, in movies since then. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. how do we take, how do we take a villain? Because that's a villainous thing to do, right? Yeah. And turn in, turn them into a a hero. Well, it's I mean it's like Ocean's Eleven, you know, except yeah. except that's a little more um, lighthearted and fun. And there's a you know it's just a bunch of friends doing things. This is this is friends too, but it's not. This is not lighthearted. You know, it's the Italian Job. I mean, there there's so many movies where the 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 protagonist is a thief. And you do relate to the person and you do like the person and you are rooting for that person, which is what you need, I feel like, in a, in a movie like this. Yes, because they're, if you break it down in, in some respect, everybody's kind of a villain in some way, right? Everybody's uh, a gray character. Mm -hmm. When a time when gray characters were not all that prevalent, you know, in, 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 on, on screen, uh, I think now we're, we're living in an age of everybody's gray. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody's great. Anti every anti heroes, anti heroes, whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. But but this was a time when um, you know, the good guys always win in the eighties kind of idea with uh, Megaforce the following year mm -hmm. that came out. Uh but but this yeah, that 
James Khan is he's a thief uh who, who like you said he's he's a he's he's like only robs from the rich. His name is Frank. Gives to himself. Frank, he owns a car dealership. Uh someone wrongs him, you don't want to cross him at all. Yeah. He's just, you know, he's a he's a Chicago guy who who went away. We learned that he did some time. Um 11 years, right? He did 11 years for stealing, you know, 40 bucks as a kid. And that one sort of event that happens to him really explains everything about his personality because he's a guy who's like making up for lost time. And that's, and that's, you know, throughout the entire movie, he's referencing this little like vision board, so to speak, this little card, this little collage where it's, it's almost like a guy who's like panicked because he didn't think he was going to have any time. Right. So, and now he knows he appreciates how little time there is. Um, lost 11 years. Now he's making up. He's, he's being very direct about things. He's not, he's not really, he, no, no time for like to put in the, the courting stage of relationship. It's just like, we getting together, <laughs> we're getting together, adopting some kids or what? What are we doing? Yeah. You want a kid? <laughs> you want a kid? I don't know. Um, and uh, of course, you know, that's um, speaking of his relationship with Tuesday Weld, uh, who plays Jesse in this movie um, and kind of their whole um, dynamic, which is very interesting because uh, Frank is going to be honest with her. He decides to be honest. It's like, hey, so, you know, <laughs> I'm a thief. We are we going to get this romance started or what? <laughs> yeah. And that that whole interaction. So. uh I don't know if we want to tell too much about details in this movie because maybe some people haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, I think we, potentially. we're not really a detailed podcast. We, we no. purposely don't do that. But something, you know, they're supposed to, he, he and Tuesday, uh, Jesse, Frank and Jesse, you're supposed to go on a date. He's uh, delayed for a very valid reason. And she's pissed for a very valid reason because he's like two hours late to this date. She's drunk at this point in a blues bar. Blues bar, by the way, uh, with a fantastic blues band and a kick-ass song. There's a there's while this movie is driven by a synth score throughout, mm-hmm. there is a break early on in the movie where there's a live uh, jazz, uh, blues band playing, and it's a it's a grooving little track. I really really <laughs> dig that. Song. It is a grooving little track. <laughs> it's a grooving ditty, um, but they you know yeah they they have this kind of drag out argument as uh, as he drags her out of the bar. And uh, bouncers try to hold him back. One bouncer in particular, did you notice who that one bouncer was at the blues bar? First, um, his screen debut. I don't believe I did. It was William Peterson. Oh. There was a lot of d- debuts in this movie, eh? There Qu- were. Quite a, quite there a were. few. Uh, quite a few. I did not realize that was William Peterson. Yeah, John, uh, Jim Belushi. Uh, obviously, this was his first movie. They're like, oh, John Belushi's brother, Jim Belushi, is in this film. Yep. <laughs> and he's great, by the way. And he's a Chicago guy, so that tracks, you know, as far as like uh, Robert Prosky, who was like 50 at the time, plays the main villain, Leo. Yeah. And if, uh, Robert Prosky would follow up with in, in The Keep. He plays like a Polish priest, which is really funny because, you know, he, he doesn't have an accent in that either. He's, I mean, he's so good in this. He's um, the amazing, really a testament this. to like, you know, just keeping on, keeping on, you know, cause if he's 50 and this is like his technically his like first movie movie, um, you know, he's just that perfect combination of like 
I will do whatever you need done as your buddy. You know, I'm your buddy. I'm your pal. It's old Leo. It's old Leo. Whatever you need. And like, do not fuck with me. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Do not. Um, he has a monologue at the end of this movie, towards the end of this movie with Frank on his, on his, on his back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we should play some of that. You don't want to work for me? What's wrong with you? And then you carry a piece in my house. You one of those burned out, demolished wackos in the joint? You're scary because you don't give a fuck. But don't come on to me now with your jailhouse bullshit because you are not that guy. Don't you get it, you prick? You got a home, car, businesses, family, and I own a paper on your whole fucking life. I'll whack out your whole family. People will be eating them for lunch tomorrow in their wimpy burgers and not know it. You get paid what I say. You do what I say. I run you. There is no discussion. I want you work until you are burned out, you are busted, or you're dead. You get it. You mentioned uh, a couple other first timers. I think John John Capellos Capellos, I think is his is his name. I'm saying it maybe mispronouncing it. Um, but he played Carl in the Breakfast Club, you know, the um the the janitor. Oh, yes, right. yes, yes. That yes. guy's been in a ton of things. Yeah. This was his first movie. Mike Genovese uh, is the bartender in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that guy, he's a character actor. He's been in everything. Um, but at the minute he was on screen, I'm like, I know that dude. There's a lot of like, yeah. I know that dude. But one dude who has a very small role in this, but a very pivotal role, uh, is Dennis Farina. Yeah. I, I was kind of distracted because because uh, it was one of those things I'm like, oh, that's Dennis Freeman. And I was like, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Is it? Oh, yeah. Wait, is it? Who was actually a police yeah. officer at the time when yeah. he made this movie. Which is amazing. <laughs> right? And like his real life partner is also in the movie. I mean, it's yep. it's really cool. I, I, um, I love the authenticity that Michael Mann, you, you know, used with this, even down to like, you know, there's th- these are real safe cracking tools that he's using there's no um there's no props there's like 200 pound safe drills and they're really you know they're making actual safes that they are burning into and it's just like are you kidding me that's incredible they were trained how to they were trained how to break safes yeah crack safes trained Uh, how to crack safes like frank's character is based on a real person uh and 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 that guy actually is in the movie as one of the cops santucci Yep. John, John Santucci, you know, is, is this plays this corrupt cop. And, uh, it's just, he's like, he's just like such a clown. He's just such a clown, but he has like, he has the most authentic Chicago accent like in the movie. And, uh, you, you know, you, you better not, uh, you better not, uh, cross me there, Frank. <laughs> well, John Santucci, uh, yeah, he was, he was, real life criminal, right? Yeah. And then you think about like, oh my God, how can you hire a real life criminal to to be an actor? Well, Danny Trejo was in prison. Uh, Eddie Bunker, who played, um, which he was one of the, he died early on in Reservoir Dogs, but he's also in Best of the Best with Eric Roberts. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he was like Mr. I want to say he's Mr. 
Braggery. Brown, yeah, maybe? Blue. No, yellow. not Mr. Brown. Mr. Blue. He was Mr. <laughs> Blue. I believe he was Mr. Blue. Um, Eddie Bunker was in a ton of things. Also XCon. Uh, I, I think it's it's cool. I you know, Michael Mann, I think is one of the few filmmakers who makes every supporting actor matter in a movie. Yeah, every supporting actor matter. It's a really good point. Even if you don't know who they are, I think John Carpenter does that really well in his movies, where you're like, yeah, everybody has a a a, a, yeah. a valuable role. Scorsese does that. Scorsese well, does. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but, but man, like I think of times in Michael Mann's movies where I'm like, why is that guy standing out to me? Well, oh, okay, cool. It's, it doesn't matter. You know, I think of some of my top Michael Mann movies, uh, Manhunter, Heat and Thief and The Keep definitely are, are my top uh, Michael Mann movies. I wish they all had man in the name. They're like my top Michael Mann movies, Manhunter. Man of man at arms, yeah. <laughs> Manimal, um, many faces, magnificent. Hmm? <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Mann. He he just he uh, he he does that in this movie. The the uh, Frank's driver who ha- has a very significant role at the end of this movie mm, with Jesse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and and by the way, Jesse played by Tuesday Wells. I have so much sympathy for her. Like she got, she's been taken advantage of all her life by these dudes yeah. or one dude in specifically. And she just wants to have a good life. And finally she's getting a good life. And does she get a good life at the end? Well, it's to be determined. Right. I mean, she may, uh, you brought up Frank's driver. It, it was actually interesting. Cause when he, um, I, I did have a moment where I was like, who, cause he, he called, he makes that call to the character who I think his name is Joseph. I think, um, and I was like, "Who? who's that guy? And I was watching it with Aaron, and she's like, oh, no, that's the guy from the beginning. Like, oh, huh. So, like, he's pivotal, but I also don't, like, not to disagree with you, but that guy doesn't mean anything to me Well, as I a guess what, within the movie. Well, no, I'm, I see what you're saying, and I'm, and I'm not going to contradict myself in, in this. I think what a, my, my point is that character is... It's not insignificant, but he doesn't matter too much overall. But yet, Michael Mann like makes him matter. Does that make sense? Uh, it does. It does. But but that was one of the characters of like that guy's just kind of bookending, bookending the movie. Yeah. And I did have a moment of just like I don't, I, I like it was hard for me to know who that was, and I was like okay because he makes that call. We don't have any connection to that character. Anyway, not to ruin, this isn't ruining anything for anybody, this doesn't, no. but this is just a, a side thing. No, and this actually brings up something I wanted to bring up as well. Um, and I also, really quick, I want to say that Tuesday Weld was in uh, Heartbreak Hotel, and you know I love that movie. You love that movie. So go check out Heartbreak Hotel. Charlie with Schlatter. Charlie Schlatter and David Keith. Um, not Keith, David. Yep. And, uh, but, but Michael Mann is not a flawless director. He's not perfect. Um, there, there are moments in his movies where I'm like, I feel like Michael Mann makes movies that make sense to him. Like the dialogue makes sense to him. The scene makes sense to him and doesn't, and I don't know the guy and I could be totally off base, but I feel like it's like, he doesn't care what the audience thinks as long, as long as it makes sense to him, that that specific scene, 
then it's good. Right. It's almost like that kind of like, um, maybe I'm not paying as much attention to story in this particular moment as I am to, um, you know, the visuals of this car chase or something, you know, it, it, it's, it seems like that. And then when we talk about the kind of the geography of this movie, it's a Chicago movie with palm trees, right? Like it's a, like, like there, there's, there's, there are moments where we're like, Oh, that house. Wait, Wait, this is the West Coast jewel job. This is a West Coast jewel job. Well, there is a LA location, that's right? That's LA. There, that's called out. Yep. Right, and that's LA. Where's this house? Like, where's this? Do they live there? Um, well, you know, I think what hurts that, and I and I actually think he does it again in Manhunter. There's a little bit of like, well, where are we right now? Are we in Atlanta, or are we somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Um, but even though there's a scene with Will Graham in Manhunter where he's on a plane and you're like, okay, he's, he is flying to Atlanta from Florida or wherever he is, you know, right? In the beginning of the movie to go see this crime that's taken place. Yeah. Um, but, but in Thief, in Thief, there's no, you never see anybody travel by plane. Um, or do you? I, I think you may. I don't know. See, it's one of those things of like, if we were to dissect this and break it down, we would probably notice those little things. But- I, this is one of those movies where I'm always thinking about something else. And then I'm like, wait a minute, what, where are they? Like, whoa. You know, like, and I catch myself like, well, it's kind of, it's not, it's not called out directly. Like when they get to LA, they're not like, Oh, look at Los Angeles. There is, there is a scene where you're clearly there. I mean, he did, he's like, I was San Diego or whatever. Uh, you know, when he gets right. back to Ch- right. Ch- Chicago, that's towards the end of the movie. Um, that's where the job is. Uh, or, you know. or is he in downtown LA at that point? <laughs> yeah yeah and then i'm like wait well, yeah so there's yeah. there's a so we're, we'll call out some of the flaws and there's nothing wrong with that you know it doesn't take away from the fact that i still love this movie and i still love michael Mann. no movies. it's it's not like a, it's not like a flawed i'm not like confused i don't i'm not even like up in arms about really anything um which but is... i think i think it's worth noting though that you know that that's something about michael Mann is somewhat consistent with that in his movies sometimes Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. Um, I really like collateral a lot. Okay. Um, I I was thinking of that just because of like a movie where LA becomes part of the, almost like part of, it becomes a character, you know, one night, you know, we love those movies. So like this takes place over X amount of hours over one night. Um, the movie ends when the sun comes up. And that to me is like just very clear every location in the movie. Like we go from here to here to here to here. You know, that's a more recent movie. So there's technology involved that sort of helps you map it out. But um, but all that to say is that Thief is not like a perfect movie, but it's also, it, it, it really was one of those movies that, that uh, as we sort of touched on, established a lot of these devices for future filmmaker generations. It's almost like things are 
assumed in a way. Um, and you know, I'm talking about like, he owns this car dealership in Chicago. He also owns what is a very famous, uh, you know, lounge, the, uh, uh the green mill, you know, um, which is a real place, real place, place, real place, yep. you know, very well known Chicago bar. Um, so, you know, it's another thing of like, right. <laughs> clearly Chicago, he did time in Joliet. He mentions that. Um, so, uh, but it's not like, it's not like it harps on the fact that this is his place. He's just always there getting the phone from the bartender. It's just, you know, it's another business that he's facading, you know? Yes. Um, yep. it's cool. It's almost kind of like Grand Theft Auto before Grand Theft Auto in a way. Oh, I think you could easily say Grand Theft Auto was influ influenced yeah. by yeah. this. Um, I think Michael Mann you know, 20 years later, not 20 years, a, a little over 10, I suppose it was, uh, didn't remake this movie, but he made a, a nice companion piece to it in, in Heat. I feel like um, De Niro's character in Heat is very much, very similar mm -hmm. to Frank. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many parallels, the relationship that he forms yeah. with, uh, you know, the female lead in that. And... And in the in the fact that you know he's got to be out in a moment's notice, he's got to be on the run, or, you know he's got to leave everything behind, yep. so to speak. Um, the the connection with the music, I think uh, it might be Moby that does a lot of the tracks in the Heat soundtrack, but it's it's not it's not Tangerine Dream, but it has a very similar synth score. Mm -hmm. um, L.A. being the backdrop versus Chicago. And just having moments that felt very similar overall. Yeah. Um, it, but I don't have a problem with that in the least bit. Actually, and then Heat is a remake of L.A. Takedown, which is a made-for-TV movie, which you can watch on YouTube, which is worth watching as well. It's Michael Mann doing the TV version of Heat. <laughs> so it's toned down and the acting is different, but it's still Michael Mann. He directed it. I have not seen that one. Yeah. Oh, you should check yeah. it out. It's it's not, you know, it's it's not his best work, but it's not bad. It's like a made for TV Michael Mann movie. Yeah, right. It's a made for TV. And you know, Michael Mann obviously yeah. is no stranger to TV. The it's, Vice, baby. We love Miami Vice. And I wanted that's a nice segue. And by the way, uh Dennis Farina was in Crime Story, the lead actor in oh, Crime yeah. Story. If you guys have never watched Crime Story, the TV series, it is one of my favorite up. TV series of all the times. But Miami Vice, you guys know how we feel about Miami Vice. Um, this movie thief is based on a book called the home invaders mm -hmm. by, uh, Frank Hoheimer, I think is how you might say his name. Hoheimer? <laughs> H O H I M E R. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing yeah. it. Anyways, home invaders. Um, I was, you know, when I'm watching this movie recently and, and doing a little bit of research on it, I'm like, why does that name sound familiar? The book title, right? Well, there's a Miami vice episode called The Home Invaders. Mm. In fact, it's one of the best episodes of Miami Vice. Look at you. In my opinion. Uh, and it, and I'm just going to list off really quickly who's in that episode because I, and who directed that episode because uh, it's one of the few times this film director directed a television episode. Robert Townsend. Uh, uh, so it does not star Philip Michael Thompson or Philip, uh, Philip, <laughs> Philip Michael Thomas. He was, uh, 
they they wrote his character as like being in New York visit uh, you know visiting his mom on vac on so, vacation. Yeah. No, he's with his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but it's directed by Abel Ferrara. Oh wow. And Isai Morales is one of the villains in it. <sighs> along with David Patrick Kelly. Oh wow. It's one of the grittiest episodes that they've ever done. If you haven't seen that episode, The Home Inviters, it's not it has no connection to this movie oh. other than the name. Oh. Which is I you were building too. up to some grand connection. I was trying. <laughs> I wanted to. But I was like, nah, you know, but but the but the but the attitude, the energy feels very similar to Thief. You uh you watch Ozark, right? Yes. Yeah, S.I. Morales in that. So good. So good. So good. I mean, talk about a guy who has only gotten better with time. He's he's great. Let's get him on Have the show. Have you finished that series? Let's get him by on the, the show. No, no, not at all. I'm only on season two. I know we need to get him on the yeah. show because there's so much to talk about with him in, in the especially in the eighties. Yeah. Um but my God, can can we just like talk about you brought it up uh Briefly, but the monologue that that James Conn has in the restaurant with Jesse, which, by the way, reminds me of the diner scene in Heat with De Niro and Pacino. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I mean, obviously, it's not the same, but it's just the same vibe with them. Uh, very shot similarly. Yeah. But man, that monologue he gives is phenomenal. I was 20 when I went in, 31 when I come out. Uh, you don't uh, you don't count months and years. Uh, you don't do time that way. What do you mean? Why? Why? You gotta forget time. Uh, you gotta not give a fuck if you live or die. Uh, you gotta get to where nothing means nothing. I'll tell you a story all about it. Yeah, he's got a lot of a lot of very commanding speeches. Uh, we we have not mentioned. Uh, Willie Nelson, by the way, at no, all. No, I was that was imp- that was intentional at all. on my on my half um, on my part. Well, you know, we've only got a finite amount of time to to discuss these movies, um, and when we're talking about cast members, I think we have to we have to talk about o- Okla. I think his character's name yeah. is um, yeah, Okla, not Okja, not Okja. Whatever. What's Okja? It's that movie about that weird mutated oh, the, cow the pig thing. Or the, yeah. Yeah. Pig cow. It's really, that'll change your life uh, if you're it's, a meat eater. It's pronounced make, Okja? Yeah, Okja. O-K-J-A. You might, uh, That's how they pronounce might it? reconsider eating meat if you watch that. Maybe I should watch it then. You should. To reconsider. That pushed Kristen over the edge, my wife. She, that pushed her over. That movie pushed her over the edge. She's like, I'm not eating meat anymore. And she hasn't eaten red meat since. But still, like, doesn't the chickens and the well, because they have tiny brains and the turkeys, they have tiny brains. <sighs> Some people justify. That's I how hate I the justify fish because they're tiny brains. They have tiny brains. I hate the cockroaches because they're. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, yeah no well, Willie Nelson. Well, yeah, no, because you mentioned that card, and he's and he, you know, this yep. collage, and he's featured very prominently Probably. in the top right hand corner of that collage, and and with his name too. Yeah. Like a signature. <laughs> yeah. It's very weird. I'm like, did you did not make that collage? Because it's like photocopied. It's I I don't know. It's very weird. It's like like laminated. It's laminated. He also folds it a bunch of times. 
Sure. Maybe he laminated. Yeah. I think he laminated it, but you know, a guy like that, who's making the equivalent of a vision board, it's very, you know, there's something really likable about that. Um, Super likable. Yeah. He's a, yeah. But you have a, I lot of, I have so much heart for him. Yeah. But, so much. Yeah. But, but I just, I don't think it's a first date move. I don't think you pull that out on the first date or second date no, or whatever this is. He, yeah. You're right about the whole sense of urgency yeah. and like, there is like a, there is an urgency in that moment where he's like, we got to do this now. If we don't do this now, we're never going to do it. Are you, are you in? Are you in? Yeah. He's basically saying like, this is my vision. This is what I've missed out on. This is a spot for you that's cut out. You're going to go here. What do you think? <laughs> I feel like, yeah. you know, but you know, as you said, it's like, she's been around the block too. It's not like, you know, she's no spring chicken. She's, you know, she's been, she's been in some bad, some bad stuff. So, but so that's kind of the thing where she, but she gives us some thought. She's like, well, okay. All right. I appreciate that. So what, but, but let's talk about Okja. Okja. Okla. Let's talk about, let's Okja. Talk about Okla. Um, Would you eat his meat? What do you think about his character? <laughs> I just asked you if, you if you'd eat his meat. Oh yeah. <laughs> would I eat Willie Nelson's meat? I would eat his jerky. There you go. Um, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. He's got some so his character is pivotal to the movie in that he's Frank's mentor. For uh, presumably, he's taught Frank everything he knows about thieving. And um, you know, he's yeah, he's very sweet um, guy. I will say that I was under the impression for this movie that Frank was going to have to break him out of prison. Me too. He's like, "Get me out of here, Frank." He's like, "All right." And I'm like, wow, how's he going to, he's got to do that and some, some other jobs, but no, a little creative, uh, bribery. It's a really funny scene. It is. The bribe scene. It is. It's good stuff. But when they have their moment in jail, when Frank goes to visit. They're Oakland so in jail, close to each other. It's so, so close. So close. And Frank, or Okla is looking at Frank like he's going to cry. Or like Frank looks like he's gonna cry. Gonna kiss each other through this glass, or I, yeah, it is such a intimate like. It's not uncomfortable in, in, in the least bit. I it found very it very intense. uncomfortable. You did? Yes. Why? Because because Willie's eyes keep darting back and forth. This is so close. It was just so close. Like the way it's shot, there's like there's no distance between them. It, it would be like, it'd be like where my where I am and you're the microphone and there's glass here and I'm. You know, like that's, there's just, there's no room to, there's literally no room to breathe. I felt like. So literally you would only see like my eyes because we'd be so close. Yeah. 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 And you were just gazing and he didn't blink. I do that. And though. he just gazed and he just bl and he didn't blink. And I was like, oh, so not to cut you off, but I was very uncomfortable. I was like, you're so close. Oh. And it, it, there, you know, there were no, it wasn't like phones through the glass in this prison visit. It, it was just like, we're just really close. Yeah. Cause I don't know if we've explained. Yeah. He's visiting a prison. Frank is visiting, visiting Oakja. I'm going to just call him Oakja now. Sorry. Visiting Oakja in prison. And My bad. they're through the glass and they're just so in, uncomfortably close to each other. They are. And that's yeah. when Okla. <laughs> Oma. That's when Okla, you know, reveals that he's dying of cancer. And uh, and he's got to get him out. Yep. And it's a very brief uh, appearance by Willie. Yep. Meaningful though. Meaningful. 
Um, it's a it's a very uh, it's a it's a scene where you see a softer side of Frank, and then I think to just to go back talking about how wonderful James Caan is in this movie. Um, there's a scene where he and his now wife Jesse are trying to adopt a child, and it's so emotional. And you really that's where you get the reveal of this guy being angry about mm -hmm. being judged by his past yeah. and wanting to wanting to not uh it's it's uh, i get chills i get chills just thinking about that scene because the james khan i've always seen him in like a tough guy role and and for him to just kind of be very dis uh unarmed or disarmed you know mm -hmm. and emotional oh it's just fantastic and the fact that you know people are considering this movie a Razzie or whatever and shitting on certain aspects of it. It's like, seriously, are we watching the same movie right now? Yeah. We well, cause the character doesn't really get a chance to be very vulnerable other than that scene. Vulnerable. Yes. Um, that's that. That's what I was. That's pretty much what's going on there. Even though he's being a total fucking asshole to everybody in the place. He is, yeah. but, but, but it comes from that sense place. Of like now, you know why yeah. now, you know why yeah. and the insecurity yeah. and, and all that other stuff. Do you happen to know anything about, why Michael Mann chose Willie Nelson for that role? I don't know. Um, I know, you know, James Caan was not originally the the first choice for this role. Jeff Bridges was one, and then Al Pacino uh, turned it down yeah. as well. Uh, I don't know why Okla, uh, you know, Willie Nelson, he, he wanted Willie for that. Mm. Yeah, you know, because obviously there are a lot of... Uh, uh, musicians, you know, actor, musicians who can act quite well. Um, because I could see Chris Christopherson. Maybe he's too, a little too young for that because because James Caan was 41 at the time when they made this movie. Oh, okay. Or, or 40. Interesting. Yeah. Because he was born in 40 and this came out in 81. So maybe he's 40 at the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. Listeners, um, anyone know? Weigh in. Well, I mean, everything else was was intentional. Uh, hiring so many, obviously, of the supporting actors. Uh, Jim Belushi, you know, yeah. is a Chicago I'm not guy, saying it's so. not intentional. I just mean like it's very, you know, it's almost like, oh, it's like you see Willie Nelson's name in the credits and you're like, oh, yeah. But why? It, yeah, because Willie Nelson was not considered like a... Um, An actor. A, a, no. Yeah. No. I mean, he did a... what didn't, he didn't, He's done some Westerns, I think, up, up until that point. Yeah, but I just... I don't know. Could have been anybody. Could have been anybody. You're right. You're right. I enjoyed his performance, but yeah. Well, and and here's the thing. I think you're taking a risk with. Uh, should have been Brian Dennehy. That's who it should have been. Brian Dennehy would have been a fine choice, but I think they're probably the same age. But why would that? That wouldn't even have mattered so much. No, you're right. It wouldn't have mattered. You know he could have still right. been like, I'm dying in here, whatever. Or um, Robert Loja. Robert Loja. Yes. Yes. Um, by the way, yeah, it was Amy Brenneman who was in Heat. Yes. Plays, um, and I just pulled that out of my head. Of and did not look that up. Amy Brenneman Amy was Brenneman. Uh, the, the love interest in Heat for Robert De Niro's character. Um, did you ever see Michael Mann's... This was technically his second film that he made. His first being the Jericho Mile. This is his first feature film movie. Mm. But this is his second film that he made, uh, the Jericho Mile is a TV movie that he made prior to this. Did you ever see the Jericho Mile? I have not seen the Jericho Mile. 
you should watch that. It's got Peter Strauss in it. Oh. Um, Roger E. Mosley, rest in peace. He had just he passed away less than a week ago mm, uh, mm, when we're recording mm, this. Mm. Richard Lawson, who we loved from Streets of Fire. And then Brian Dennehy, your boy. <laughs> Brian Dennehy is in it. Interesting. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis is also in it. Your boy. Ed Louder. <laughs> Ed Louder is in it. Uh -huh, we love Ed Louder uh -huh. from Real Genius and uh, The Longest Yard. It's extensive cast. And so I think you should check it out. It's a it's a really cool film. I'll do it. Uh, based on a true story, too, I believe. I'll do it. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a Michael Mann 80s guy. Everything 80s with Michael Mann and 79 because Jericho Mile came out in 79. His last 80s movie he made was L.A. Takedown before mm. Heat. And Heat is 95. And I love Heat. I love Heat to this day. But uh, give me Manhunter. Give me Thief. Give me The Keep. I'll do it. Um, so... Really quick, well, not really quick, uh, <laughs> soundtrack. We interviewed yeah. Craig Saffin, and he talked about his involvement with this movie. We hit on Tangerine Dream earlier in the episode. Tangerine Dream is a phenomenal synthwave band. Um, and But Craig Saffin was hired to come in and do this the final track of the movie called Confrontation. And uh, Dustin. This, yeah. this is crazy to me. Cause I'm watching this, you know, we, I've listened to the confrontation. We obviously, we, we interviewed Craig about this, um, you know, Tangerine did the whole score and basically the final scene, the last seven minutes or so, right. Um, were not considered dynamic enough for Michael Mann. So Craig was yes. hired to come in and replace the music. Now upon watching it this time, I'm watching it confrontations playing i'm going this is pink floyd this this is this is i'm like this is comfortably numb i could you know i, I know that song I mean, comfortably numb is like one of my favorite songs and then i'm looking and i'm like oh michael mann was cutting too comfortably numb and he just needed somebody to replace it so it seems to me that he's like i can't get the clearance for comfortably numb how can we replace it i would love to do it let's because i've queued this up because this i feel like this deserves a side-by-side -side comparison yeah if you need to do this if yeah. you'll indulge me um Please. let me uh all right, here we go. So this is Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb. Right, so a little, a little, a little sampling of that, and then, and then this is the conversation. right and it's like dude totally it's the totally. same everything um yep. subtly changed to achieve what michael mann needs now 
what Craig did say to us is that Michael Mann, it was tough creatively to work with him because it wasn't like a collaboration. And then you look, listen to this and you're like, of course it wasn't because he was already cutting to an established piece of music that yep. he had very specific needs from what Craig was coming in to give him. So if he's like, Craig was like, I think he just wanted, you know, my guitar. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of blown away. Um, but of course that's going to take the creativity out of the process because you're not, you're not really creating something new. No, you're right. And it's not, you're, you're hired for a project. You're an artist. You have the ability to do this thing, but, but you don't get to express yourself. Artists, I feel need to express themselves creatively. Right. Yep. But you're like a hired gun in the sense. Um, it's a tricky situation. I mean, what, what came out of it, I think is beautiful. I think that, that, that track at the end is the best track on the soundtrack. It is. Um, and it's not Tangerine Dream's strongest soundtrack, I don't think. However, I don't think it's as bad as some other people have said. Um, but that song is phenomenal. And the way it's used is phenomenal. It's, I watched that scene multiple times in the past week because I love it so much. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's, 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 it's dynamic. There's, there's, there's life there. Um, and, and Michael Mann does something in that scene that he he's I've seen him do in other movies, specifically Manhunter. Um, when a when, when a major character is shot and killed at the end of that movie, he does like a almost like a jump cut. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's it's very much intentional because I've seen him do it again. I'm just curious about why he does that. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? You know, that's the scene where. One of the main guys is shot and he has a very dramatic death. Yes. Um, and there's like a jump, like almost like the, the film cuts in it. I feel like I would need to visually see what you're talking about in multiple movies to get a sense of why he would do that. He just does it in Manhunter too with the, the main villain. Okay. And, and he, or he breaks through. Yes, yes, yes. It's a weird cutting yeah. scene. It's just the weird, it's a weird, interesting way he cuts it. It just, it takes me out of the scene mm -hmm, a little bit, mm -hmm. a little bit. It, it's, this is another thing about Michael Mann. I'm not sure if I dislike it or it, it just takes me out of the moment. But what keeps me in the moment is the music. Yeah. The use of this music. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Mann, Michael Mann has a, I think the way he uses music in film is one of a kind. It's beautiful. Um, I mean, look at Miami Vice. Miami Vice is a game-changing television yeah. series. And that's Michael Mann's vision. Mm -hmm. So Craig, he's an amazing composer and so talented and a true artist. But I'm glad I'm glad things turned out the way they did. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, it's just a job. It's like what you were saying before. It's like he was just hired for this job. Like that's it, you know. So that's why it's not memorable to him because he's also coming in and he's like, fix, you know, he's coming in to fix something. It's, it's not like yeah. you're not uh, involved when you're not involved with the project from the beginning, that's going to be a different experience. And um, yeah, Craig has a lot of great stories about just his creative process and, and everything like that. But you, you do get the sense that th yeah, this movie particularly was not, was not a, uh, well, it's not one of his, one of his favorites. Nor should it be. Yeah, totally understandable. Um, but but in the context of this movie, 
uh, it, I'm so glad we're covering it in, a, in the context of- Yeah, oh, absolutely. It is interesting how these visionary directors kind of lose their way as time goes on, because uh, I don't think he's as strong as he used to be with his stuff. Maybe it's the studio. Yeah, I write. I think it's it's probably a lot of things. Creative freedom. John Carpenter is that that way too. Yeah, I feel I feel like Peter Jackson is now regretting being a part of the Lord of the Rings for some reason. I think one of the few current visionary directors who hasn't lost his way yet is Guillermo del Toro. Mm. What's his latest one? I was in Shape of Water. Was he did a he did? did a newer one. Uh, um, Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley is what Oh, I'm yeah, Nightmare of, Alley. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. I did not yeah. see. So, <clears throat> anyway. Um, but uh, I like in the, the end scene where the, you know, the character of Leo and the other dude are just sitting there and it's like, hey, you want some milk? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, really funny. Their dude's just offering, their men just, just, you know, or just offering someone milk that isn't a child. Like, when does that happen? It's <laughs> <That's> really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The guest comes over, yeah. you're like, you want some milk? No, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, and I think that I'm glad you brought that point up because th- this movie is heavy, but there are some laughing, yeah. laughable moments, um, notably at the expense of Leo's men. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> you very much. Me. And Dennis Farina just coming out of the darkness, just coming out of a bush <laughs> with with a sizable pop gun. Like, hey, where like, did, damn, dude, who, back in heat. Who gave you the call? Are you just hang, ready in the bush over there? The heavy, the heavy, the heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, as we get towards the end, should we uh, talk about some notable things of 1981? Yeah, 1981. And I want to remind everyone that we will be doing a "What Does Dustin Know" uh, on our Patreon for the year. Well, it's it's going to be a little bit of a twist, not a shamalama ding dong twist, but a twist. Um, and You'll have to tune in and sign up to our Patreon to hear what does Dustin know for this thief-related episode. Uh, But I just want to point out a few notable things that happened in 1981, and then I want to talk about some movies that also came out in 1981. Um, So in 1981, the DeLorean was created. Finally. I mean, that's the most quintessential 80s. Most iconic car of the 80s. Yep, yep, and uh, it's too bad that the movie that they made based on DeLorean was terrible. Didn't do well, I know. Yeah, the race because that's a the race was crazy terrible. story. I grew up in <laughs> Michigan at that time when it was going on. My family worked. Uh, my family on my dad's side all worked in the automotive industry, mm, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of controversy about what really went down with Roger DeLorean and that whole story. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, and they, they had insight, they, they had their kind of theories as to what happened, uh, conspiracy theories. I, I honestly, I thought you were just making a joke about back to the future. I thought you were like, it's a shame that the, the movie about the DeLorean wasn't good. Oh no. I'm talking about the (laughs) the DeLorean man, Roger DeLorean, the biopic. The DeLorean man. Got it. Well, who cares about that guy? DeLorean man. That's awesome. Um, no, I was like, oh, this is like, this is funny. No, so, yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> I don't know. It was trash, right? It's a shame that no one watched Back to the Future. And um, it's a shame that that movie didn't get a bigger uh, release. Yeah. <laughs> that Michael J. Fox. It's a shame didn't that Michael a J. Fox didn't have a career star. Here. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, it's a shame that Huey Lewis in the news put out so much garbage. Right? There was not a single single from that movie. Nope. Um, it was like a Peter Frampton song. I think that was it, right? It didn't do anything for skateboarding. Nothing for yeah. skateboarding. Holding on to nothing cars. Nothing for, for vests. Plutonium. Never yeah. caught on, really. <laughs> As something <laughs> the kids wanted to play with. Right. Um, another notable moment in 1981 was Princess Diana got married. Well, she became a princess mm. because she got married to Charles. That is notable. Oh, Diana. And then finally, yeah. I'm just going to run down uh, 1981 might be considered one of the best years in cinematic history. Oftentimes people say, oh, it's 87 or 86 or 82 is a good year. I'm just going to run down. Yeah. I mean, 84 as well. Mm. I'm going to run down a few movies that came on 81. Just a few. But here we go. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Evil Dead. Well, it's actually not called that. It's just Indiana Jones. Well, Indiana Jones is not Ark. in the title. You're right. I don't want to be a spoils board, not to be a snooty Pete. You're right. <laughs> but you're right. But this, yes, this is this is uh, what do you call it? Where uh, revisionist history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Spielberg now calls it Indiana Jones, Spielberg and Lucas. Well, it's called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost. And it is not. It is not. It's not. It is Raiders. not, gentlemen. It's Raiders. It's Raiders. Yeah, my bad. Uh, the the original Evil Dead, the first one. Love it. The Road Warrior. Love it. Escape from New York. Seen it. <laughs> Love it. Actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, an American Werewolf in. Wait, London. you don't like Escape from New York? Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's Carpenter's best. Well, uh, no, I mean, but you know, Snake. I, I Snake Plissken is one of the, the most memorable characters. He is. It's not. It's a flawed film, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, to interrupt. No, no, it's okay. An American Werewolf in London. One of your favorites. Seen it. For your eyes only. That's the movie? James Bond. Oh. <laughs> right. Seen it. <laughs> Chariots of Fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time Bandits. Oh, I would have guessed later. Stripes. Seen that? I would have guessed later. Blowout. John Travolta. Brian De Palma. That I would have guessed, 81. I would have guessed earlier. I would have seventy nine. Like, yeah. Oh, anyone? Um, and history of the world part one. Nice. Yep. And of course, thief. So of course, go. thief. Those are good. Good. Yeah, movies. really good. Oh, and 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 Arthur. Tell mm. me, my... no. When you get lost between the moon and New York, Arthur he yeah. does as he pleases. Um, I mean, I could go down the list, but there's so many. Um, yeah, well, 80, oh. 81 is just interesting, right? Because it's it is the cusp where you still see those those seventies references in the clothing, in the aesthetic, in the music, in the um, you know the 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 cinematography. Like it all it all starts to it all starts to change mid eighties. It does, and I think I think Michael Mann has a very uh, he's a very very big reason for that. Really quick, because uh, I just it was I meant to bring it up earlier in regards to James Con, um, the way he walks, the way he moves, yeah, very stiff, like a guy who got his ass kicked in prison. Yep, he did not look comfortable at any point. No, 
just everything kind of stiff, even the way he, you know, holds his gun. And I know that he was trained very specifically for this movie on how to, on how to hold it. But it's, it, it seems like the way he holds his gun is the same way that Tom Cruise, the exact same way that Tom Cruise holds his gun in, in collateral, which I hadn't thought about until the rewatch of this. It's, it's well, you know, yeah. it's it, right. There's a very it's specific stance, raising the arms, entering a room, scanning the room. And you know, what's interesting about that is also, and we can do a little side-by-side -side comparison. Um, the thief, the original theatrical thief poster is, 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 uh, James Conn's face with the goggles on with the sparks around. Mm -hmm. But there's another one that was, I think, used for VHS, maybe an alternate poster mm. where he's holding his gun in a certain way. And then you look at the collateral poster and he's got his gun down, but it's like, I don't know. There's a vibe about it. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like we, we covered so much, but there's still more to cover. If you guys are fans of thief, uh, let us know. Like, Go on our Patreon, sign up, come on the show. We can talk about it's the only place you'll be able to let us know. I'm sorry. Yeah, to say. because, you know, social media is terrible. But Patreon is not. Yep. Patreon is life. Patreon is fun. We have so much great content on Patreon. We do. It's like, how many times can we say it? On Patreon. Patreon. I'm just saying we did a fun uh, $2 six questions with Craig Saffin uh, that will be out later this we month. We did. By the end of the we month, did. it'll be out. And uh, his interview will drop two weeks from today. We did uh, two, two weeks from the release of this episode, actually. So. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you're listening to this later, then it's already out. Yeah. But if you're listening to it before and it's not, um, yep. You can find us on social media. We encourage the, the connection. You can rate us on Spotify. You can rate us on iTunes. You can, um, you can, wh what else can you do? Whatever you want to do, whatever you want. Well, you can you can tell us what your favorite uh, Tangerine Dream soundtrack is. That's a good one. Let us know. That's a good because one. we 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 there's we 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 there's no uh, it's obvious we love synth in in the intros to most of our interviews we have synth some sort of synth track playing in the background. Generally, um, yeah. It's 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 synth wave is life to us in many ways. And this soundtrack is a perfect example of why we love synth. Yeah. And you can, you can be like, is Risky Business and Three O'Clock High, are those the same soundtracks? You, you know, we can talk about it. Well, we yeah. will possibly in, in a couple months, potentially. Hint, hint, yeah. nudge, nudge, know what I mean, know what I mean. Yeah. Know what I mean, Vern? We'll get there. But uh, guys, I mean... I'm so glad we covered Thief. I'm th so glad I, we didn't do James Con justice. I'm I'm sure with giving him a proper tribute. No, but, he's uh, probably pissed off. Sorry, he's gonna come back and kick our asses. Sorry, 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 James. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> no, do you, well, maybe you guys should just uh, break it down on uh, podcasting after dark as a companion piece to this. No, no. Duke. Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. 
Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four. Is it five star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star rating on iTunes. We really. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFee Podcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.